This podcast brought to you by TechSmith. Right now, millions of people are snacking. Are you? And by Intuitive, tools for building better websites. Looking for inspiration and ideas from other colleagues from all over the world? Be sure to check out events.boxesandarrows.com. Today I had the chance to speak with Melissa Turkini at AOL on her article, Blasting the Myth of the Fold. We talk about how this long-held rule in web design is being debunked by web analytics and user testing, as well as how this will impact design and development processes based on screen resolution and browser compatibility. A huge thank you to Melissa for taking time to speak with me, and I hope everyone enjoys the podcast. Cheers. Melissa, in your article, Blasting the Myth of the Fold, you stated that there's an astonishing amount of disbelief that the users of web pages have learned to scroll and that they do so regularly. Holding on to this disbelief, this myth that users won't scroll to see anything below the fold uh, is doing everyone a great disservice, most of all our users. Maybe we can start by talking about clarifying what you mean by the fold. You know, um, one thing that was very interesting while I was um, writing this article was um, the different words, the different terms that use, that people use for the fold. At AOL, we say the fold. Um, but I found that in the industry, a lot of people use the term the scroll. Um, the fold or the scroll, they mean the same thing, and they basically mean the point at which on a user's monitor um, where um, they would have to engage with the scroll bar in order to see content that fell below that point. Okay, and and a lot of what a lot of what research is, or maybe I should just start by what is the latest data, data telling us about uh, the way organizations architect and subsequently design web services? Is this data having an impact on the way we design? Um, you know, it, it definitely is at AOL. You know, I'm seeing an interesting. Um, sort of conflict about that. When we take something to usability testing, mm -hmm. um, sometimes we see that users will not scroll you know, past a certain point. Right. Um, but when we launch the very same design on the web, we're seeing that items below that point, below the fold at the bottom of the page, are getting incredible click-throughs and, and, and usage. So um, I'm not sure I'm not a usability tester, you know, sure. I don't, I'm not an expert on methodology, um, and I, I still believe that information is incredibly valuable and it definitely informs our design, but it's um, a little bit freeing for us to, under, to know that we can design things and have them go below the fold and, and that they will be used. Right, because in your article you also talk about the idea of the past, present, and future in dealing with this, this concept of the fold at AOL specifically. And you outline how AO developed and employed practices for designing around these around folds specifically. Uh, can you elaborate on on these ideas for our listeners? How AOL tackled this? Sure. I'm you know in the way way old days of AOL back in like uh, 94 95, um, scrolling just was absolutely prohibited because um, to scroll an AOL page was in fact to scroll the AOL client desktop. The entire application would scroll. Right. Um, users just didn't get that at all. It was just a nightmare for usability. Um, and then when we moved to, um, you know, we started employing um, HTML and web pages, we had a lot more space. And when we started designing for that, you know, we went a little crazy. We were like, you know, kids that suddenly had their curfew taken away from them, and you know, we probably <laughs> stayed out a little bit too late and that right. kind of stuff. But 
um, you know, we learned a lot of hard lessons about how to make sure that pages looked, um, that, they, that there were visual cues to a user to understand that there was more content and that the users just needed to sort of look around the screen and find out how to get to that content. Um, you know, uh, Jared Spool talks about, you know, making sure that you have broken images and, and, and all that kind of stuff. That's the same stuff that we use um, today to make sure that we use um, visual design and, and photography and um, cutting off of text to make sure that those lines, wherever they may be, um, tend to look broken. Of course, that brings us to the problem of where is the fold and how do you make sure that your images or text does appear broken. And because you don't know, like when you're designing, are you designing for an 800 by 600 page, a 1024 by 768 page? Um, I mean, I, I guess you have to ask the question, is it even possible to design with the fold in mind with, with such shifting variables like screen resolution and even in even browsers like IE, Safari, Firefox, wall display exactly. images and things differently? So, I mean, um, I, I don't know. It's, it, it is a real challenge. And you know, to be possible, to to be honest, if someone came to me and said, "Is it possible to design for the fold?" my my gut reaction would be, "No, it's not," right. because there's there's so many variables with you know screen resolutions and different browser combinations that you sort of have to design for a range, right? There could be this range of of, of pixels on the page where you can hope that. Um, within that range, things would appear broken. But how do you really do that? Yeah. So what we do, to be honest, on our uh, when we design um, wireframes and, and mock-ups, we put different fold lines. We just mark them on the pages so that we can see where they are. But we also understand that at any given point, you know, we're just guessing. Right, exactly. Yeah, and, yeah. and I mean, I mean, a lot of the analytics. Um, you you talked in your article about uh, click the web analytics tool Clicktail and and how 120. I think it was like 120,000 uh, uh, people or or website visits were were monitored or looked mm -hmm. at, and, and the results mm -hmm. from that. Um, I actually did a podcast with Tal Schwartz uh, a few weeks ago about Clicktail, and he he was talking about um, how how really the fold is almost a, a non-issue now for a lot of the analytics that he's getting back, which which I thought was quite interesting, um, and and reinforces exactly what you've written this article that the fold really doesn't need to exist, and we can stop designing specifically with the fold in mind, even though that's been sort of the uh, that's been the uh, I don't know the the stance that's been taken by designers for years. We got to keep everything above the fold because no one will scroll down. Yeah, and, and, you know, no fault to designers because, you know, way back when that really was the case. Users didn't understand, you know, the, the actual fundamentals of browsers and scroll bars and, and all that good stuff. But um, they've learned it. And I think that that's one of the hardest things about being, a, you know, a, a usability expert and a, a UI designer and practitioner is to understand that users do change over time. Um, you know, especially when you're designing for the massive general population. Yeah. Um, you know, those changes are very slow in coming, but they do happen, and, and I think it's a real chance to celebrate when those changes actually do appear and we've got data to support them. 
Yeah, I, I tell I tell clients of mine. I say, you know, look, like you know, know who you're designing your 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 website for. Are you designing it for the kids that grew up in a generation where they had an Xbox, cell phone, and Palm Pilot in their hand, or mm-hmm. you know, are you designing it for uh, as a senior a senior citizen's home? Like you have to know who you're designing it for, and and you know, the kids that grew up with all this technology in their hand, I think, have gotten used to the idea of of scrolling, right? Like, yeah, my, yeah. I mean, to them, they don't even you know, they wouldn't even think of of scrolling that's just what it is it's yeah exactly. just how to get to the rest of the content yeah exactly and roll from there so there there are a number of comments on your article melissa which was fantastic and i wanted to just uh maybe uh outline a few of them and get get your thoughts on, on a little more on what these people were saying sure okay. there were great contents i was so psyched to see the the debate and and just a level of interest. I was so excited. Yeah. So, so sticking with H- AOL, uh, uh, Mitch mm-hmm. Hazem from AOL stated that the hardest part of web design and user interface design has been convincing people, being clients and product owners, that users will flow through content if the design is compelling, just like someone working their way through a newspaper or analyzing a great painting or sculpture. Design is meant to stimulate and guide the user to their desired end result. The fold has always been considered a brick wall to many designers. So this analogy of sort of writing for print versus writing for the web has also been a debate and a challenge in the design process. Um, I'm wondering if you think if organizations stopped working on the premise of the fold, would they be able to write and subsequently design more user-friendly, findable web solutions? You know, I don't think that anybody on earth should be writing for the fold. Um, It all boils down to the quality of the content, and it is the same with with newspaper or magazines. Or well, there's no fold in magazines. You have to actually flip pages. But right. um, if the content is good, and if the content is engaging, and the user is interested in that, and they're reading down, they're going to follow wherever it leads. Whether it be to flip over a newspaper, or to flip a page in a magazine or a book, or to scroll down on the web page, it really boils down to that simple of an idea. Um, you know, the visual design elements that we use—the broken off images, or or you know, gradients, or whatever trickery—we're um, going to use in support of that content. You know, helps greatly, and I wouldn't. You know, I'm not trying to diminish that craft because it is an incredible, an incredible thing to help support that content, and it's it's definitely contributed to the success. Um, but at the end of the day, if the content is not great stuff and people aren't interested in it, nobody's going to follow it. Yeah, absolutely. I I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, <laughs> Tim Bedell talks about your article in relation to Apple's new website, uh, stating that they have dropped a section sitemap at the bottom of each page. This kind of information has typically been at the top of the page, usually buried in a drop-down or fly-out menus. I suspect that this is working well in this spot. I would be surprised if the breadcrumb is very well understood down there, though. Uh, to mm-hmm. me, that still belongs at the top of the page. Uh, and I think this reinforces the thoughts you've expressed in your article about not using the fold as a marker, as you've just talked about, for where the most valuable content should reside. And uh, I, I think you've spoken to that already, but it, I think that, that comment, just re- Tim's comment, reinforces what you're saying. Right, and actually, you know, looking at the Apple implementation in and of itself, it's a really great idea. I love it, actually. Um, you know, if a user looks at their, you know, their pages are, are once you, the top pages of the site at any rate are, are pretty short pages. Right. You know, lots of visual imagery, lots of little promotion to get you into the deeper content. Um, but 
having this little, I would call it like a, at AOL, we call those things directory modules where they have all of the different sublevels listed, listed out. Yep. Um, having that at the bottom, it really, it's a great boon to users because the user scans the page, they're looking for something, they don't exactly see it on the page, but there is everything spelled out for them at the bottom. So once they've seen everything, they can, they can dive deeper if they haven't, if you know the particular item that they're looking for wasn't highlighted in one of the promotions above, it's there below. Yeah, and, and that reinforces part of Eric Ries' statement, which I'm going to get to in a little more detail, but he was suggesting mm -hmm. that maybe the new frontier is the bottom of the page. Mm -hmm. um, in terms it of, certainly is. Yeah, because now, and in fact, I would argue that the there is the new frontier may be the bottom, but in fact, as you suggested, really the entire page is is up for grabs. It's no longer about trying to just keep everything above the fold. Yeah, I definitely think that that we need to start thinking of the page a little bit differently um, than maybe we have in the past. Um, you know, I know that it, that's been growing pains here at AOL, but I think we're getting there. I think that that. Um, the, you're right. The entire page is something to look at anew, and the bottom of the page is definitely, definitely the new frontier. <laughs> yeah, uh, David. Uh, well, actually, just going back to Eric Reese's statement, just reading what he wrote, I'll, I'll just, I'll just subparagraph this a bit. He said, "Like a magician forcing a card on an unsuspecting audience member, good websites discreetly create linear flows through their site. Visitors choose to follow your contextual lead, even though they have the option to move about freely. So it's it's really again getting back. I think it's getting back to this point that the whole page is up for grabs, and and how people navigate and work their way through the site. We really need as designers, our information architects, uh, user experience professionals. Maybe we really need to start to rethink about you know how we design web pages based on this new information, this new data that people do scroll. Mhm. Mm right. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that you know even from mind shifts that we've had to make um, at AOL is when we architect a site, it's less about the hierarchy of the information and, you know, getting back to fundamentals, it's more about what a user would want next. Right. You know, looking at a particular piece of content and say, okay, from, from this piece of content, where would I go next? Right. Trying to anticipate what they would do mm -hmm. and then designing accordingly. Okay. Uh, David Chen, the former product developer at Apple and Yahoo, notes the importance of white space in design. He said that the one thing I would add is that if you design a long web page, make damn sure you don't have a strip mm -hmm. of white space where all the content seems to end, and all, it also happens to be a place where statistically the bottom of the browser window happens to be for a given monitor size. This can fool users into thinking there is nothing more below this point, and they may not scroll any further. Um, this, is this is similar to the point made by folks giving clues that content is worth scrolling to below the fold. Make sure you don't inadvertently design this apparent end of the page just to line mm -hmm. things up in a, in a nice way, sort of aesthetically pleasing. Do, do you agree with what David's saying here? He could not be more right. right. I mean, I think that is one way to definitely kill anything below <laughs> the fold. Exactly. Uh, Razorfish's Shiv Sen uh, made an insightful comment about scrolling, uh, saying that I do believe, anecdotally speaking, that one of the reasons we, why we scroll more comfortably is because of the popularity of blogs. We've gotten used mm -hmm. to scrolling down more. Also, practically every Facebook, Google, and MySpace page forces you to scroll, and that's where more and more users are spending time. So in, in my view, the myth of the fold deserves to be blasted. Um, and and, I, and I, I agree with Schiff here. And he made, I thought that was a really interesting point because he's right with Facebook and, 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 and MySpace and Google. The, the con most of the content is all over the page, so you have to scroll to the bottom of the page to see everything. Yeah, I mean, definitely MySpace and, MySpace and Facebook, they're definitely um, 
quite the phenomenon in, in uh, causing people to interact with pages in an, an entirely new way. Um, I find it really interesting about the blog um, perspective, though. Mm -hmm. Blogs are usually designed so that the newest content is up top. So part of me is always thinking that, well, aren't blogs sort of not encouraging scrolling? Because if I wanted the latest content, it would be at the top. Right. But what's below that content are the comments. Right. So it really is interesting to show that the fact that we have such community interaction and that you know people are commenting on this particular piece of content and users are really interested in those comments, mm -hmm. and therefore they're scrolling to see them all. You know, I think that's incredible that you know that 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 community created content and that users um, contributing is what's helping other users to scroll down the page. Yeah, and I was also thinking that uh, when I when I'd read that comment, I was thinking perhaps that Facebook and 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 MySpace, for example, could be sites that that designers and IAs look to for how to design websites if we're going to look at removing the fold entirely, because so many people are using them. Um, and the communities really designing their their own space uh, in great part to you know the concept of Ajax and being able to organize your own content in your own way. I was thinking that that might be a good place to look to to look to how to design for future iterations of of websites without looking at the fold as a, as sort of a barrier to design. Yeah, I think that's a double-edged sword because if yeah. you look at some MySpace pages, you oh, definitely yeah. don't want designers taking cues <laughs> from there. No. <laughs> No, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying this is a new web standard that we should all be following at all. I was just thinking, well, you know, if we're going to look at websites where there is a lot of content where people scroll, that could be a, that could be a place where, where people look to as a, as a starting point. But, um, yeah, exactly, and it definitely reinforces the fact that people are scrolling because, yeah. you know, look at all that stuff that's down there. Yeah, and, but like you said, I mean, it's it, like you said before, it's about anticipating where the con people want to go next and, and determining what content is of greatest value. Obviously, MySpace is a bit of a, uh, a dumping ground for every little thing that someone might find and, and to throw it onto the website. So mm -hmm. not necessarily mm -hmm. the best place to look. <laughs> for... In some cases, there are, there are you know, beautifully designed uh, MySpace pages, but there are a lot of really bad ones, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're not kidding. Uh, anyway, um, that's, that's, all I, that's all I really had for today, Melissa. Was there anything else that you wanted to, to talk about or to, to chat about what's coming up next for you and, and AOL? Um, well, for AOL, we're really focusing on um, the evolution of personalization within our network of websites, okay. um, user customization and user creation of content, and then supporting the portability of that content you know, out on the open web. You know, we're seeing that, that users are using portals less and less and less and instead of there being you know three major portals or whatever the number may be today there's like a hundred million portals <laughs> yeah less is more <laughs> exactly yeah. so really it, you know I, th I think that you know the next uh, strategies and content are going to be centered around getting your content dispersed um, and not necessarily making users come to a particular site to get that content, but just making sure it's a, it's it's available everywhere and you can spread it around. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's great. So I I want to thank you very much for taking time to talk to me today, and uh, wish you all the best. And uh, we'll uh, keep uh, keep us up to date with what's going on, and we'll look forward to your next article on boxes and arrows. 
Well, you're welcome, and I'm looking forward to it as well. Okay. Thanks, Melissa. Thanks, Jeff.